0: was asked to speak on the subject of self-management. When we speak of management, we are discussing the subject of control. To properly manage means to have complete control over the environment you are managing. A manager of a company is one who through knowledge of everything going on in the company is able to control every situation that arises. Without knowledge, there is no possibility of proper management. When we are discussing self-management, how to control our own lives, And before we can control our lives, we must have knowledge of who we are, where we are coming from, and what is the goal of life. It is said, Physician, heal thyself. If you are a sick man, who is going to come to you for cure? So similarly, if in our own personal lives we are mismanaged, how are we going to properly and effectively manage others? After all, whatever field of activity we go into in life, it is in the pursuit of happiness. If you are going into the field of management or business, essentially the goal is not simply to make profit become famous. People want to make profits and become famous because there is a promise of happiness in that proposition. So really the goal of all of our pursuits is happiness. Is it not? I am coming from the United States of America. I was born and raised there Somehow or other, I was born and raised in a very upper-class family where people were around me quite wealthy and quite well-to-do. Some of my friends, their parents, were presidents, chairmen of the boards of major corporations, there was no shortage of anything material in their life. But in the field of happiness, These people were utterly poverty-stricken. Sometimes I use an example, that there is a statistic that in the United States of America, 80% of the biggest business minds, the most wealthy people in the country, they have to take sleeping pills to fall asleep at night. What does that mean? That means that their minds are so overridden with anxieties and problems that they cannot even sleep at night. They may be living in Beverly Hills in a beautiful mansion with security guards all around them, and they may have a spacious bedroom with chandeliers and beautiful silken sheets under waterbed. But when they go to lay down at night, they simply roll around in complete anxiety. They have to take drugs, sleeping pills, which are habit-forming deadly drugs. We come to Bombay. It is said one-fifth of the population of Bombay lives on the streets. Is that correct? That's what I was told by one friend. So when we walk down the streets, we see people They have no income. They have no house. They do not know where their next meal is coming from. Some of them have a little potato sack or something to lay on the ground, on the sidewalk. And as soon as they lay down, within seconds, they're fast asleep. They do not require sleeping pills. They do not roll around in anxieties with all the problems and the complexities of the world on their mind. So my question is, who is happier? The tycoon in Beverly Hills, or the beggar sleeping in the streets? There's a song by one great rock and roll musician of America, where he was born very poor. He was born in the ghettos of Georgia and he describes how I used to want money, but now that I'm a big star, I have millions and millions of dollars. And I do not even know what to do with all my money. He said, I used to want a nice car. Now I have the best cars made, as many as I want. Not only that, but when I get tired of driving, I have my own jet plane. I used to want to be popular. Now I am so famous that there's nowhere I can go where people do not chase after me. Everything I've ever wanted in life, I have. But then he ends the song by saying that I'd give it all up for just one little drop of peace of mind. And then he describes that's what I really want, is peace of mind but I cannot find any peace of mind. Some people may say that if we develop these internal qualities of peace, compassion, mercy, happiness, then how will this help me in my career? Factually, let us examine this question. According to the great philosophers of the world, there are six anartas, or impurities, that create disturbance within our mind. And based on those disturbances within our own mind, they create disturbance in the world around us. One is lust, kama the endless longing for enjoyment, for sensual enjoyment. Two is anger. When our desire for sensual enjoyment is unfulfilled, we become very angry, out of our control. Three is pride. We become completely infatuated by being praised and respected, We cannot tolerate when somebody else is respected more than us, which leads to the next impurity, which is envy, illusion, and greed. How much these things tax our brain, drain our energy? It's like you are students. The ideal of a student is he can completely concentrate all his mind, all his intelligence, and all his energy on the subject matter he's trying to learn. If you're being plagued by lust, your mind is constantly distracted from the subject matter towards some object of the senses. Same with anger or envy or greed or illusion of pride. So imagine if your consciousness, if your mind was completely purified and free, if you had control over these impulses. Then you could have complete control of yourself to pursue whatever avenue of your occupation may be. that is a fact. Just like Dr. Desai, he was speaking with you today. He is actually a very highly spiritual person. When his father handed over his business to him, it was just an upcoming business in the future of big business. After he began to learn how to develop self-management, control of his own senses and his own mind, after he began to free himself from these endless distractions and attain peace and self-happiness within himself, with a very clear and pure heart and mind, he was able to pursue his duties and his business is multiplied by about a hundred percent. Now, as I was explaining at the beginning of the talk, in order to control the self, you have to know the self. Because knowledge is power. There is no greater power on earth than knowledge. Physical strength is not very important these days, just like in the battlefield, you may be very strong, very powerful, you may be a very Herculean fighter, but someone who knows how to pull a trigger properly, he may not have one muscle in his body, but he's going to kill you. Huh? The people who are building the big, big bombs are not muscular people. They're skinny little scientists in their laboratories. Huh? But they have a lot of knowledge. And their knowledge is far more powerful than all the people who are training their big muscles to fight on the battlefield. And in all fields of activity we find the greatest power is knowledge. That is why Dr. Daisai was saying, if you do not read in the field of marketing, you will be useless. You have to be aware, you have to have knowledge. Now the most important field of management is the most basic. How to manage your own life, how to manage your own mind how to manage yourself. What is the self? In this university, and all universities throughout the world, there are so many subject matters being offered in so many fields of academics, that there is hardly a single subject in any university anywhere in the world, perhaps none, that explain to you who you are. What is the use of knowing everything but not even knowing who the knower is? And the common man and woman goes through life completely blind to the reality of their own existence. people are so completely infatuated by the external causes and effects of this relative world trying to solve each and every little problem as they arise and try to get ahead that they forget their own needs. There is a very simple example which even a child of the first standard could understand. It's about a woman who had a beautiful little bird, and she bought a beautiful cage for this bird. And she liked this cage so much that day and night she would clean the cage, decorate the cage, and just do all sorts of wonderful things for this cage. So one time a friend came to visit her, and she said, I want to show you my beautiful bird cage." And the friend came in the room and looked. and was horrified. Ah, what is this? The cage is beautiful with gold and jewels and ribbons, but the bird inside is dead. The whole purpose of the cage is a house for the bird. If the bird is dead, you have defeated your own purpose. This may be a very simplistic example but it is the story of 99.9% of all humanity today. Don't think it is just an innocent little story that doesn't pertain to you and me. We are spending all the energy of our life to decorate this cage of our body and mind, but due to insufficient knowledge, Humanity is completely neglecting the needs of the self. What is the self? Who am I? Do we ever even ask this question? If you want happiness, if you want peace, if you want prosperity in life, you have to understand who it is that you're trying to become peaceful. We are asking people every day, who are you? And they are giving you a name. But you can change your name. My name is Radhanath Swami. Huh? But if you ask my mother and father what my name is, they will not say Radhanath Swami. They know me by a different name. So I changed my name, but am I the same person? Of course. So we're not our name. I am a man, I am a woman. I'll get to that later. Let us take our nationality. I am Indian, I am American. I can be an Indian today, but you can go to America and get a green card and become an American. Does that change your existence? Black or white or red. Now, by science, you can change the pigment of your skin. Not only that, you can change your sexes. You know, this is a fact. Do you have this technology in India? In America, we have this technology. If you are a man, you can get an operation and biologically become a woman. And if you are a woman, you can get an operation and you can become a fully authorized man. I know people who have gone through these changes. Your voice changes, your glands change, everything through different transplants. So you are not even a man or a woman, because these things could change. Who are you? I am the mind. The mind is changing at every second. The fact is you are not your body and you are not your mind. When you were an infant child, you had a different body completely. There was nothing the same about your body now as there was then. And similarly, your mind is completely different. But you are the same person. Who are you? At the time of death, ah, one of us in this room were to die. Who cares for the dead body? If you're from one religion, you'll put the body on the roof and let the birds eat it. If you're from another religion, you will put the body on fire and let the flames consume it. If you're from another culture, you will put the body underground and let the worms and maggots eat it. So ultimately your body is food for something or someone else. Who
1: cares for the dead body?
0: Everyone cries. The friends no longer want to associate with the dead body. The parents no longer want to invest in the education of the dead body. The lover, hopefully, no longer want to have sex with the dead body. Because they know that the person they love is gone. So at the time of death, is a very simple understanding that the person I love was not this body. What is the difference between living body and dead body? Consciousness. We are that conscious force that is animating our body. And according to all the great philosophers and all the great religious men of the past and all the great scriptures of the world, the symptom of consciousness leads to the understanding of our real identity, which is the soul. We are that consciousness. That is the self. Now what are the needs of the self? This body and mind that's ever changing. We're studying hundreds and hundreds of courses through the university to suit the needs of our body and mind. But we are completely neglecting the needs of the self. So if we are talking about self-management, you cannot manage something unless you know what you are managing. We do not even know who we are. This is the most fundamental principle of education. Do you know what the word education means? The word education comes from the Greek word educatio, which means to bring out what is within you. Does that have anything to do with modern education? (laughs) Modern education is to superimpose from outside into your brain. So much data, so many statistics, so many facts and figures. But the real meaning of the word education is to withdraw that which is within you. Real knowledge is within your own heart. But we are so externalized in our approach to life that we are completely neglecting the real needs of ourselves. And believe me, someone who has self-realization will be the most effective, productive, and beneficial person within society. Look at the mess the world is in today. Do you think it is the uneducated peasants that are creating the chaos in the world today? This world is plagued with so many problems that nobody knows what to do anymore. Everyone just has to put blinders over their eyes and think, well, I'm just going to make my life the best I could make it. But as far as the world problems, forget it. It's too complicated. It's just too, it's gone too far. Even the biggest politicians and scientists in the world, they're throwing their hands up in the air and saying it's too late. Look what a mess we've made. The ozone is breaking down. The water is all polluted, the air is polluted, there's nuclear radiation filling the earth, ready to break out of their um, storage compartments and pollute the ground. There's population explosions, food shortages, there's terrorism popping up everywhere, there's wars practically every corner of the world, there's crime, there's an endless rise in drug addiction and alcoholism, those horrible, incurable diseases that are threatening the existence of mankind. Huh? Do you ever read the newspapers? I'm sure you do. In America, drug addiction is growing so much that some cities are just so plagued with drug addiction, they do not know what to do. It's growing by the day. AIDS is expanding day by day, more and more and more and more. They say by the year 2020, one-fourth of America will die of AIDS. If it keeps growing at the rate it is now. What to speak of due to pollution in the air, the greenhouse effect, the solar ice caps are melting, the oceans are rising, and about one-fifth of the land of today within 50 years may be underwater. These are all man-made problems, not natural problems, man-made, due to mismanagement, mismanagement of the environment. And where does this mismanagement of the environment come from? Mismanagement of the self. Because people are victims of lust and greed and pride and envy and illusion and anger. They're engaging in horrible activities which are creating horrible consequences, (coughs) which is affecting the whole environment of all life on earth. There is a need for self-management. If a person learns how to find peace within his own heart, if a person understands the knowledge of God that is within his own soul. That free from all these vices in the minds, one could live in this world most effectively, with full concentration, with total determination determination and energy not being diverted in other directions, to doing real good work for oneself, for one's family, and for the world human civilization. After all, whether you are a businessman, or a doctor, or a lawyer, or a marketing manager, the integrity of our life is dependent on how much we are actually working for the benefit of ourselves and the benefit of others. In the Universities of America, I give lectures almost every day when I'm in America. I've given lectures at Harvard, MIT, a few times, but regularly in the Midwest, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and these universities, Kentucky, West Virginia, Illinois. And what I find is the atmosphere of the colleges in America are so corrupt and so degraded, even though factually they are teaching the highest systems of knowledge in the fields of science, technology, business, computer operation, and so forth. As soon as the children, the students, leave their classes, there's drugs, there's illicit sex, there's alcohol, there is absolutely no management or control over their senses. They become completely selfish. Intoxication, illicit sex make you completely self-centered and selfish. They breed the qualities of lust and greed and pride and envy. And then these same students, they attain tremendous amount of immense power by the knowledge they're acquiring. And then when they come out of school, what do you expect they're going to do with this powerful knowledge that they have simultaneously acquired with greed and lust and envy and anger and pride and illusion? They're gonna take that power and with greed in mind, With no sense of compassion, mercy, or self-discipline, they're going to create havoc and chaos in the world. And if you doubt what I'm saying, read the newspapers. Look at the world. It's the educated class of men that are causing these big problems. and love for one another. Without love, there is no question of happiness. And you may be turning your head saying, ah, what is this guy talking about, a spiritualist? But believe me, I've been in your position. I live in a country that's far more progressive materially than you can imagine. And I've been in, those, in that society and I've had all the opportunities to take over big companies and everything at my hands. So you may be saying, oh, what's this religious? It's not practical. But I'm speaking practical to you. That some of the wealthiest people in the world the highest rate of suicide in the world is the upper class income of America. They're more prone to suicide, sleeping pills, and psychiatrists than any other class of man on the planet Earth. And this is a statistic. Do you think by becoming big, wealthy, and so on, you're going to find happiness in life? Will not. At the same time, it doesn't mean you cannot be a multi-millionaire and a big, big president or board, chairman of the board or successful person in your field of business. If you find the integrity of your own self-consciousness and you find the knowledge and happiness and love within, then in any situation, you can prosper. Dr. Desai was speaking about crisis management. What's the worst thing to do in a crisis? To panic. What's the best thing to do in a crisis? To have a cool head. Right? Because when you panic, you act irrationally. If you have a cool head, then you think everything out, and you do everything just step by step according to the way it should be done. the Bhagavad-gītā teaches that a man of real intelligence, or a woman of real intelligence, is a person who is equal in both success and failure, happiness and distress, honor and dishonor, and pleasure and pain because such a person is deriving happiness and joy from within. Now if you are in that condition, whatever the crisis may be, you will have an equal equal mind and a cool head. And then you will be most effective. So from every level of perspective of life, Self-realization is really the key to progressive happiness and peace, and it is also the key to the most effective manner of conducting our affairs in whatever field of activity we pursue in life. Human life is specifically meant for this purpose, self-realization. Someone, as I was explaining before, someone may say that this self-realization is for the yogis and the sadhus. What does it have to do with a practical person of this world, with a family and a job? Bhagavad Gita is specifically a scripture meant for people who live within this world. You have all heard of Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is not a sectarian scripture. It is a universal scripture which explains how to live in an artful and beautiful manner every moment of our life. Arjuna, who was the recipient of the teachings of Bhagavad Gita, was a warrior. He was a politician. He had to manage the affairs of the state, and he had to defend the laws of the state. This is a very, very practical type of a service. He was by no means a sadhu or a sanyasi. Now, when he was faced with a very difficult crisis, talk about crisis management, he was faced with such a crisis He was standing between two armies and he realized that his friends, his well-wishers, his relatives were on both sides. He did not want to fight. He wanted to run from the problem. He told Krishna that, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to run away. I'm going to become a yogi or a sannyasi or a sadhu, but I'm not going to stay here in this world and fight. Now some people say that people like me are people who have escaped from the world. Why could you face the problems of the world? You couldn't face practical life so you ran off to become a sadhu. Huh? Arjuna wanted to become like that. The whole scripture of Bhagavad Gita was to convince, convince Arjuna that you have no right to run from the problems that are facing you in your occupation. You must face them and you must solve them. You must fight because you are a fighter. You must work and work hard. But you must do it in divine consciousness. In consciousness of self-realization. After all, if you have read Mahabharata, some of you are watching Mahabharata on the TV. How many of you are seeing on TV now? <laughs> Last Sunday, I had to speak in Andheri, one university of chartered accountants. And the, the class was at 10 in the morning. So at 9 o'clock, we had to drive. And I've never seen the roads in Bombay so peaceful. We made it to Andheri in about 15 minutes. There was practically not a soul to be seen on the road because everyone was watching Mahaprabhu. Pretty popular song. Now, soon there will be a great battle, the Battle of Kurukshetra. On one side there is Duryodhana, and on the other side there is Maharaj Yudhisthira and Arjuna, Ndhima, Nakula, Sahadeva. Now, what is the difference between Duryodhana and Arjuna? On the battlefield, you will see they are both fighting. They both have clubs, they both have swords, they both have their bows and arrows. They have their chariots, their chariot drivers. From the material external point of view, there is absolutely no difference between the occupation of Duryodhana and the occupation of Arjuna. They are both acting identically on the battlefield. But there is a difference in their consciousness. Duryodhana, his motivating force to be on that battlefield was his own envy and greed. Correct? We have all seen what an envious and greedy person he is. Now Arjuna, he was thinking, I don't want envy and greed. What to speak of anger? You have to be angry to fight. I don't want to fight this war. Krishna told him, it is your duty, you must fight this war. But give up lust, envy, anger, 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 greed, pride, illusion, and madness. You fight with realization of the self. You fight as an act of service to God. And therefore, although Arjuna and Duryodhana were acting identically externally, internally, they were completely opposite. One was defending Dharma and one was defending Adharma. One was glorified in the end and one was destroyed with a miserable death at the end. So the Bhagavad Gita did not teach Arjuna to be a lazy mendicant. Arjuna was the most determined, an effective fighter in the whole battlefield. Why? Because he had the highest purpose in which to fight. He was fighting for Krishna. He was not fighting for his own vices. Now, when you get out of college, you will find out very quickly you may have already found out to some extent that this world is a battlefield and that is a fact no matter what field of activity you take it is a battlefield even if you take the occupation of a simple sadhu like myself it's a constant battle what to speak if you go into the field of business where the competition is so fierce every step where people are out to cut each other's throats for money what to speak if you're just trying to be ethical and moral and the propaganda of immorality is just bombarding you bombarding your family bombarding your children on all sides this world is a battlefield and bhagavad-gita does not teach us how to run from the problems. It does not teach us how to run from the crisis. It teaches us how to stand up and fight in divine consciousness with all the power and strength of God behind us. With the purest motivations and in a state of real peace in the light of all opposition. If you can learn that, if you can learn that type of self-management, you will be perfectly successful in life, materially, spiritually, and all levels. But we have to understand the importance, the necessity, of learning the science of self-realization alongside with the other subjects that we are aspiring to be successful in life. By reading the authorized books of self-realization by associating with saintly persons, whether they like be businessmen like Dr. Desai or Mr. Mafutlau or whether they be sadhus. A saintly person is not a person who makes, has a certain dress or hairstyle. A saintly person is a person who is dedicating his acts, whatever they may be, in the loving service of God. A person who is concerned with the purification of the heart and doing real good for the world. Let us take Arabin Bhai Mafadal, Dr. Desai's father-in-law. He's the chairman of the board of Mafadal Fine Fabrics. How much money they make every year in profits is too much for a simple man like me to even try to understand. Huh? <laughs> but what does he do with his profits? He lives a comfortable life, but very simple. If he wanted, he could be living the most pompous, luxurious life you can imagine. But every year, he personally sponsors 20,000 free eye operations for people who would ordinarily go blind because they have no money. Every year, he prints tens and thousands of free spiritual books for distribution to the poor. Every year he distributes food for tens and thousands of people who would otherwise be hungry. Provides them clothing. Constructs beautiful temples for the upliftment of humanity. This is where his prophets go, his personal prophets. Why? Because he's a man of humility and love. But you be his competitor, in the office, and he'll tear you to pieces because he's a very shrewd and very expert and very highly disciplined businessman. That's what you have to be to survive in the business world today. But what does he do with his profits? He doesn't simply lavishly glorify his own name and fame. He goes to the most downtrodden and forgotten people and practically all his profits go to them. He does three hours puja every day before he goes to the office to purify so he has the right motives and the right sentiments before he manages his corporations. The world needs more people like this. The world needs love. The world needs compassion. The world needs mercy. All those qualities are factually within you. They are your very nature. We have forgotten our nature. We are all part of God. Therefore, all those qualities are factually within you. They are your very nature. We have forgotten our nature. We are all part of God. Therefore, we are essentially Godly. So to dive deep within ourselves and awaken this inherent nature which is the essence of our very existence is the most important part of our life. It is described in the Vedas that, and not only in the Vedas but all the great scriptures of the world, that by chanting the sound vibration of the name of God, these godly qualities awaken from within our hearts. Mr. Desai chants every day for two hours. We have here Ranshaw. He works for Tata Institute as a computer programmer. He chants every day. Ask his employee if he's the slightest bit inefficient in his work. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, a housewife. A marketer, businessman, industrialist. When you add the name of God to your life and develop these inner godly sentiments, awaken these pure qualities within your life, when you purify your mind from all of these vices we were talking about which are simply diversions and distractions, then you can factually be a complete, whole human being. We are in this world, but you are also not losing the essence of yourself. Lord Jesus Christ, he said, what is the use if you gain the whole world if you lose your own soul? The motto of the world today is, gain the world and lose your soul. Huh? Not that you cannot gain the world, but don't lose your soul. We are not telling you to give up the world. We are pleading with you, don't lose your soul. For your own sake and for the sake of all humanity. When we chant the holy names, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, We are not simply performing some Hindu ritual. If you are a Muslim, you chant the name Allah. If you are a Christian, you chant the name of Christus. But this is a scientific method of awakening the divine nature within us. So my request is simply to take seriously In consideration the words I am speaking. Ponder upon them within the core of your heart. Evaluate what you really want in life. Don't stop your studies by any means. Work hard. But what is it that will really bring fulfillment and meaning to your existence? questions but i started to think that all the people who have gained and accomplished the greatest in this field of materialism they're miserable their lives are empty <coughs> And many of them are destroying the whole society due to the exploitative methods that they are accepting in their pursuit. If I would have found someone to teach me, I probably would have been a very, very successful businessman who was God-conscious. But I could not find anybody who could answer the philosophical questions that I had in life, especially in the college I was going to. So I decided to travel around the world and study the various religions of the world, the different philosophies of the world and the different values that people live by. And after some years, I found myself traveling around as a sadhu in India and then I met my spiritual master and my spiritual master taught me the essence of what is in all the great religions of the world how to love God in whatever we do <clears throat> and he told me, yes, you could go back and be businessman that's, that's very good but there is also a need of people who dedicate their lives exclusively to educating others in this subject matter That is also part of the need of this world. Just like there is a need of doctors. Just like some people say to me, what if everyone were to become a sadhu like you? Then what would happen to the world? Right? That's probably what you're thinking. Well, what I say to you was, what do you study here? Business? This is a business school. What if everyone in the world were to become a Businessman? couldn't function. There has to be doctors, correct? There has to be lawyers. My God, in today's society, there has to be lawyers, otherwise everybody will die. <laughs> there has to be farmers growing food. There has to be politicians. Sometimes we wish there didn't have to be politicians. <laughs> there has to be politicians. Organizing the affairs of the state. There has to be warriors defending people. There has to be businessmen, marketers, bankers. Similarly, for the spiritual progress of society, there has to be a class of men who dedicate their entire energy to educating others in the spiritual science. It doesn't mean everyone must be like that, but there is a need for this class of men. So my Guru Maharaj convinced me that although 90% of our congregation are businessmen, housewives, farmers, doctors, lawyers, musicians, engineers, architects, there has to be a small percentage of people who are simply dedicating their lives to hearing the problems of all these people and giving them spiritual counseling and giving spiritual direction to society. So my taking this dress is not to run from the problems of the world. But according to the need of the world, there is a need of people taking this life also, this occupation also, to face the problems of the world, to fight the crises of the world, and to try to improve the quality of the world.
1: Karma and dharma.
0: Karma and dharma.
1: Ah.
0: Dharma. Let us give a definition of this word, dharma. Dharma means the constitutional nature of every living being. The dharma of sugar is that it is sweet. The dharma of water is that it is liquid. Now, when water is in an unnatural condition, it becomes solid. (coughs) That is a dharma. When sugar is hot, that is not its nature, that is a dharma. You understand? The natural characteristic of a thing is its dharma. The natural characteristic of the soul, the consciousness within everyone, is that we are part of the supreme soul or God. To engage in whatever activity we perform in loving service to God, that is dharma, because that is our natural quality, to serve God with love when we are serving something else and someone else that is dharma. see so karma means to act without reference to our true nature then we implicate ourselves in the laws of karma which is that law of nature that for every action there is an equal corresponding reaction if you act bad toward one person, you will get a bad result yourself. If you give pain to one person, that pain must come upon you. That is the law of nature. If you act benevolently and with goodness toward another, then goodness must come upon you. This is not a sentiment. This is the law of nature. It is a law of physics that for every action there is an equal corresponding reaction. This also applies to our actions. So when we act not in reference to our real nature, by engaging every one of our acts in connection to our relationship with God, then everything we do is within the laws of karma. Good karma, bad karma. Good karma, bad karma. Action, reaction. But dharma is when we act according to our true essential nature. Krishna says in Gita, yad yad yat tapasya That all that you do, all that you eat, all that you offer and give away should be done as an offering to the supreme. Krishna told Arjuna, fight in divine consciousness as a service to me. And then you will be free from all karma. Is so, there any other questions? Do you have a question? one of one Can you speak loudly?
1: You The you to say the is It is not against the
0: You mean making another person dependent? The fact is we are all dependent. It is positive. Mercy means to extend ourselves to help another. This is how we are meaning mercy. When we say mercy, we are extending of oneself to help another, to uplift another even sacrificing of ourself for the betterment of another. That is an act of mercy. Today people are very anxious to exploit one another. Is that not true? The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That is one of the economic laws of today's society. that is that is your illusion what I say is if you lack these qualities you may externally be the richest man in the world but your heart will be a ghetto of poverty is that what you want in life? The fact is, Arjuna was merciful, compassionate, but he won the war. Did he not? Who won the war? It does not mean you become an impotent eunuch in practical affairs. It means you become most expert and efficient But you are not motivated by greed. You are motivated by love. Believe me, love is far greater of a power than greed or envy or lust or anger or pride. It is millions of times more powerful. If you can plug your consciousness into the current of love, you will have millions of times more power Perform whatever activity you want to perform. But you will be doing it with the right motive. Does my being kind and loving solve the problem? Is it not necessary that
1: the other person must also reciprocate with each other?
0: No, no, no. You don't let anyone take advantage. In other words, if your prophets are meant to help those in need, and somebody else is a greedy, envious person who wants to destroy you so that he could take those same process, prophets simply to use for his own glorification and his own sinful vices, are you going to let him take advantage of you? Huh? You will fight harder than anybody on earth to protect what belongs to God. You will not let anyone cheat you. You'll be more alert to being cheated than someone who's greedy. Because you will be be defending a higher purpose in life. Right? As I say, you take Dr. Desai. Do you think he lets his competitors trample all over him? No. He knows the motive is his competitors. And he can outdo them in their own game. But he has a higher purpose. He has a completely different purpose than his competitors. He is defending the principle of love and compassion. They are trying to defend the purpose of their own greed. Arjuna was fighting against Duryodhana. Did he allow Duryodhana to take advantage of him on the battlefield? No. He defeated him on every step. But he was fighting out of love of God. He was defending Dharma. And Duryodhana was defending Adharma. self by nature is part of the supreme self or god you in essence are eternal full of knowledge and full of bliss happiness such ananda that is the nature of you now if you are suffering if you are not full of bliss if you are not full of knowledge and if you are not in realization of your eternality that means you are in a diseased condition you are in unhealthy condition you have forgotten the very essence of your own being the realization of you who are you? I'm telling you what about you? The consciousness within you. Are you ha, who is seeing me? Your eyes or you? Are you seeing through your eyes or are you an eye?
1: Huh? Ah.
0: Are you an ear or are you hearing me through your ears? So who are you? You don't even know. Some mysterious consciousness within you is witnessing everything through this body, but you're thinking you're the body. Are you the flesh or are you feeling through your flesh? You're feeling through the flesh, but we don't even know who that person is that's witnessing, that it's experiencing. There is a science of physics to understand the flesh, right? There is a science of psychiatry to understand the mind. There is also a science of self-realization to understand the soul, the consciousness. It is a science. Today, religion has become so degraded that everyone simply, I believe this and you believe that and whatever you believe is all right and whatever I believe is all right and I think this and I think that and I believe. And it's just so unscientific and ridiculous that most educated people just say, forget religion. It's just so much dogma and ritual. But if you read the Vedas, Religion is approached as a great science. vidya Raja Guhyam Pavitramitamuttama. Krishna says in Gita, this is the, the king of education, it is the supreme science because it gives you direct perception of you, the self, through realization. So let us approach self realization for what it is it is a science. It must be understood systematically in a scientific manner with our intelligence. Let us kick out all this dogmatic, unscientific, unphilosophical belief systems that go in the name of religion today. The nature of the consciousness is that it is eternal, it is full of knowledge, and it is full of bliss. It is part of God, therefore all the godly qualities of God are your inherent nature. But why are we not enjoying the very facilities that are our right to enjoy? Because we have forgotten, due to ignorance. Avidya means ignorance. Ignorance is the greatest enemy in earth. It is due to ignorance. It's like you have a disease and there are symptoms of that disease. The basic disease is ignorance. And the symptoms of that disease are what I was explaining before. Lust, anger, greed, illusion, pride, and envy. And these things are filling our minds and filling our hearts because the disease of ignorance is covering the natural healthy condition of ourself. So the process of self-realization is simply healing that disease condition, and coming back to our natural, original state. Love of God, love of all living beings, is inherent within you. It is our original consciousness. By chanting the names of God, by avoiding those activities which further perpetuate this ignorance, then we naturally are healed. Just like if you have a disease of the body, the first thing the doctor will do is give you a medicine that heals the disease. And he will also tell you to refrain from those activities which further aggravate the disease, correct? So there are four pillars of sinful life. Intoxication, illicit sex, gambling, and meat-eating. They destroy the qualities of truthfulness, cleanliness, self-control, and mercy. So therefore, by refraining from these activities which aggravate the disease, and by associating with saintly persons, by performing puja with a proper understanding of what we are doing and why, by philosophical reflection on the real goal of life, and especially by the chanting of God's names. This is the medicine which literally awakens that original pure consciousness within us. And when we are purified, then we can perceive everything in truth, in reality. I'll give a a very simple example. Water in its natural state is pure when water touches the ground it becomes muddy now let us analyze what is muddy water (coughs) is the water ever actually muddy the water is always water and the dirt is always dirt right? but they're mixed together but while they're mixed together they simultaneously have their own separate existence, but they're just mixed. And the proof is, when you filter the water, what do you do? The process of filtering water means you take out everything that is not water from the water. And you let the water just be as it is. And after you filter water, the water is transparent. It is clear. It is crystal. But before you filter the water, the water is totally brown. You cannot perceive anything through muddy water. So our consciousness is by nature pure like water. But because it is in contact with this external material relative world, (coughs) we have acquired so much of the mud and the dirt, which has assumed these qualities that I have explained in the forms of material attachments. Now, when we filter our consciousness through the process of self-realization, the chanting of the name of God, philosophical reflection on life, association with saintly persons, is the process of filtering our consciousness, simply removing all those impurities which are not really part of us. Then we find that what is left is a transparent consciousness. Our mind, our consciousness is transparent. Through that transparency of consciousness, we can perceive God. Not only can we perceive God, but with a transparent consciousness, whatever we do in this world, we can do it with our full capacity. Whatever occupation you take up in life, you can perform with your full capacity. Because your consciousness, your mind, your intelligence is transparent. It is not filled and blocked with mud. So the science of self-realization is simply that process of filtering our consciousness and bringing it back to its natural, original state, which is pure. Full of knowledge, full of bliss, and eternal. (laughs)
1: <laughs> this, the
0: this man has been waiting for a long time also. Big, big. Uh, One more question. A
1: businessman becoming successful, a businessman becomes successful by using a lot of manipulation and then going against everything solstice. And he uses that profit water we earn to feed the poor on all this thing. Really, just a good question. Like, is it justified? Like, he uses the profit water we earn Mm.
0: That is a very important question. Did you all hear the question? (coughs) It really depends on his motivation whether it is justified. First of all, Just to make it in this world the way it is, in business, you cannot always be perfectly ethical. Huh? This is a practical matter. Sometimes you have to bend the laws of ethics. (laughs) Just to survive. Because this is a in America we call it a dog-eat dog world. You've heard this saying? that there are so many people out to destroy you. It is the world of the cheaters and the cheated. Therefore, a man of God, a man of compassion, a man of high morality and ethics, he will not go beyond what is necessary. For the preservation of his business, he may with his intelligence understand that he has to do like this or like that. But it is not with the motivation of greed and hurting others. If it is truly, if you are simply doing what is necessary and not going beyond, with honestly you have to evaluate yourself and you are and your motivation is to really do good for others then that is factually within the god the the perimeter of being ethical in this world today what will you do with the fruits Of your action. If it is for a good purpose, you can justify the means with the ends. But in how you are acquiring the ends, you must, within your own heart, evaluate that you are doing it as honestly and as ethically as possible under those conditions. and if you do like that and you offer the results as an offering to God for the betterment of all then you are free from any karma that may have been incurred in the process so I thank you all very much for your kind attention and your tolerance upon me and I very much appreciate your, really, from my heart, very truly wonderful attention and response from all of you. And I wish you all the best in all aspects of your life. And may God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Swamiji, for your simple but very powerful talk uh, on self-management. During the course of the last half an hour, you've spoken on the benefits of self-realization and, more importantly, the need for self-realization. You've also focused on some of the threats facing the world today and what one must do to overcome those threats in the coming future if if he wants to survive in the world and make the world a better place for others to live in. On behalf of all of us at Sibnum, we would like to present you with a small memento as a token of appreciation. First of all, just to make it in this world the way it is, in business, you cannot always be perfectly ethical. This is a practical matter. Sometimes you have to bend the laws of ethics, <laughs> just to survive, because this is a In America, we call it a dog-eat-dog world. You've heard this saying? (laughs) That there are so many people out to destroy you. It is the world of the cheaters and the cheated. Therefore, a man of God, a man of compassion, a man of high morality and ethics, he will not go beyond what is necessary. For the preservation of his business, he may with his intelligence understand that he has to do like this or like that. But it is not with the motivation of greed and hurting others. If it is truly If you are simply doing what is necessary and not going beyond with, honestly, you have to evaluate yourself, and your motivation is to really do good for others, then that is actually within the the, the perimeter of being ethical in this world today. What will you do with the fruits of your action? If it is for a good purpose, you can justify the means with the ends. But in how you are acquiring the ends, you must, within your own heart, evaluate that you are doing it as honestly and as ethically as possible under those conditions. And if you do like that, and you offer the results as an offering to God for the betterment of all, then you are free from any karma that may have been incurred in the process. So I thank you all very much for your kind attention and your tolerance upon me, and I very much appreciate your, really, from my heart, very truly wonderful attention and response from all of you, and I wish you all the best in all aspects of your life, and may God bless you. Thank
1: you very much.